Shalom to all. Today's office bubble comment after noon test. So we're starting about the 10th line with the words Omar Abaye. And today's office sponsor, Lila Nishmas. Mars Merim Sar, Basar Yaakov Moshe, her Nishama should have an Aliyah. El Lila Nishmas, Rabbi Yosef Yantif, Ben Usher Anshul, his Nishama should have an Aliyah. Now, the choir just brought a bride with a number of cases of an animal damaging and different opinions of how much needs to be paid. So we continue talking about this. Omar Abaye Abaye says, Rabbi Yosef Glili, Rabbi Shmol, Omar Lover Echad, Rabbi Yosef Glili, and Rabbi Shmol say the same thing. Rabbi Yosef Glili, Hada Omron. Rabbi Yosef Glili says what he said in the Brisa, which was that if the animal ate Chaziz, which is young, unripe grain, the owner pays what the value of the grain would be once it ripens, which is obviously more than when it's not yet ripe. And Rabbi Shmuel, what about him? Detanya Vibrasa tells us, the Pasuk says, that he has to pay the best of his field and the best of his vineyard. And who's this referring to? Rabbi Shmuel says that the Mazik has to pay based off of the best of the Nizik's property. Rabbi Kiva says, the Pasuk is only saying that damages are collected from the best, and we explain this at length in the first parak. Now, the main focus over here is a Bishmal Shita that we pay based off of the best of the Nizik. And Vlaitema don't say that what this means is Kurv Idbar Oven, like Ravid Bar Oven says, Dom Ravid Bar Oven, Ravid Bar Oven tells us, Kagan, for example, Shaakhla Ruga Bena Rugais, the animal ate one patch among a whole bunch of patches in this garden, Vlaidin, and it's not known, Ikhushavai, Ishmena Havai, whether he ate a weak, not such good patch, or if it was Gishmak juicy vegetables. Dom will tell the Maza, Kum Shlim Shmena, Bemate of Deka Hashta, go pay for a juicy patch of vegetables, what he has right here, meaning his juiciest patch that he has here, that's how much you have to pay for. We don't say that. My time away is that because I'm the one who wants to be mighty from his friend, meaning the nizik is being mighty from the mazik. He has to bring a raya that a gishmak juicy patch of vegetables was eaten. So that's not what Rabbi Shmuel is talking about when he says it has to be according to the meitav of the nizik. El, rather, what's Rabbi Shmuel referring to? The meitav del kame, based off the meitav that's going to be later on. Umaynihu, what is that? Kechlesolik, that which is going to grow out of the ground later. Similar to what Rabbi Shmuel was saying that even though right now what was eaten wasn't fully ripe and it's not so expensive, the payment is based off of when it will be fully ripe, which is more expensive, and that's Meitav of Rabbi Shmuel. So we see that Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Yisraeli are saying the same thing. And we continue analyzing the Brayso. Amar Meir was stated, Rabbi Shimon Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon Yehuda said the name Rabbi Shimon. Pamed Varmurim. When is the said Shachul Uvegafanim Yuchur Teinim? When the animal ate shoots of grapevines or shoots of fig trees. And this is going on the Chum's opinion that the damages are evaluated based off of how much this field or this garden was worth before the animal ate versus after the animal ate. Now our inference from this is Hasmadar that if it ate Smadar, it didn't eat shoots. It ate these grapes that already started growing. We view those grapes as if they're fully formed and ready to be picked, which is obviously a higher value. However, Ema Seifel, let's take a look at the end of the Brisa. The next part is, If it ate half-ripe grapes or figs, that's when we view them as if they were grapes that were ready to be picked, and it's only then that he has to pay the higher valuation. That's Mashmah Hasmadar, that if the animal ate these grapes when they just started budding, then we evaluate based off of this lower valuation of how much it was worth before it was eaten versus how much it's worth after it was eaten. So we have a steer mashmas between the Rish and the Seifa. How much does he have to pay when Smadar was eaten? So Amr Ravina, Ravina answers, wrap it all together and teach, when it was stated, meaning when is it that we make the Cheshbin based off how much it was worth before versus how much it's worth now? That's only when I ate these shoots. But if I ate the grapes as Smadar, just as they're budding, or when they're half ripe, so then we view them as if they're grapes that are ready to be picked, and that's a higher valuation. Ask the Gemara if that's so, Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda and Rabbi Shua. That means that Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda is the same thing as Rabbi Shua, who argues with a Chamim. If you take a look at the top of the Amud, so my answer is no. The difference between Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda and Rabbi Shua is: Do we evaluate Chash Gufna, which literally?
means the weakening of the body. What does that mean over here when we're talking about grapevines? So if grapes are left on the vine to fully ripen, the vine becomes a little bit weak because they're pulling nutrients from the vine the entire time. And according to one of them, that amount is subtracted from the total that has to be paid by the mazik because the mazik did at the end of the day save that weakening of the grapevine from the nizik because the animal ate the grapes off the vine before it could get weakened. However, let me say me, it's not clear, it's not determined who holds that we subtract the payment of Khash Gofna. However, Rabbi Yom Rabbi says, Masami or Masami, it is 100% clear and determined. Mantana de Khash Khash Gofna, who's the time that's Khashish for Khash Gofna, the weakening of the body? Rabshim Yehudahi, it's Rabshim Yehudah. The time you even brass that says, Rabshim Yehudah, I'm Rabshim Rabshim Menasio. If someone's ma'anis of basula, he violates her, he doesn't have to pay for the tsar of Tashmish, because she eventually would have had this pain when she got married, she would have had Tashmish with him, so that type of tsar he doesn't have to pay for, because she would have went through it anyway. And I'm really told from Ben Yehuda, it's not true, because someone who had bia ba'ines, if she was forced to have it, that's totally different when she's doing it baratzain, she's with her husband, she's not going to suffer that tsar, so the Chama argues with Rabshim Ben Yehuda. But we see that Rabshim Ben Yehuda holds that we do chashbin in this chash gufna, and we can with this, Amr Abayabai says, The following Tanaim and Rabshim ben Yehuda, they say the same thing. Rabshim ben Yehuda, Hada Amran, Rabshim ben Yehuda, we just said what he holds, that we chashbin in chash gufna. Hani Tanaim Mahi, what are the following Tanaim? The time of a brass, Rabbi Yassi, says, that we subtract the cost of a midwife. This is referring to a case where a man strikes a pregnant woman and she had a miscarriage because of that. So this fellow has to pay for the mevladois, but he subtracts the amount that the husband would have had to pay for a chayo, a midwife, because now that she miscarried, we don't have to pay for a midwife. And Benazi, Benazi says, he subtracts the mezainas. When a woman is pregnant, she has to eat more food, and that's technically a cost that the husband is saving now that his wife miscarried. So we see these tanaim also hold the rechash for kachash gofna. Now we just analyze these two opinions. According to Rabbi who says that we subtract the cost of a midwife, for sure he would also subtract the cost of extra food that the husband would pay for. According to Manda Amar, which has been Azai, that we subtract the cost of extra mezainas, the mazik does not get to subtract the cost that the husband would have paid for a midwife, because the husband could tell him, it's a my wife, Pekichahi, she's very sharp and with it, and she wouldn't have needed a midwife. So you don't get to subtract that cost that I would have paid for a midwife because I wouldn't have paid for one. Now, the reason this bride we've been discussing was brought by the Gemara was because of a psaac the Rish Galusa gave, which the questioner did not like, so he went to Nachman instead. And the case on hand was this fellow cut down a palm tree, and the Rish Galusa said, I saw that palm tree and it was part of a group of three, which altogether worth a hundred, so you have to pay 33 and a third. Whereas Rav Nachman argued that the payment is based off of how much this tree is worth in a group of 60, like we discussed extensively yesterday, then evaluation of Nezek to property or produce in the property is done based off of how much his property would be worth in something 60 times its size. So now we continue talking about this. Rav Papa Rav Huna Rav Yeshua Ovid Ovid Kavasa Rav Nachman Rav Papa Rav Huna Rav Yeshua they paskin like Rav Nachman Meshishim that the valuation is based off of 60. Lishnachrin another way of saying this is Rav Papa Rav Huna Rav Yeshua Shamu Dikla Agav Tina Da'ara they evaluated a palm tree based off of a piece of land that had 60 palm trees in it. Now bottom line what's the halacha? The halacha is like them when we're talking about an Aramean palm tree then we evaluate it based off of 60. Whereas the Hilchak Rasa Jerish Galusa, that looks like the Rish Galusa, when we're talking about a Persian palm tree, since Persian palm trees are very expensive, we evaluate them on their own and not based off of 60. And we continue talking about this with the story. Eliezer is the Eru, non Tesson based on top, Havasai Masani Uchme. Eliezer is the Eru, which literally means he's Eliezer, the small one, and we're going to see he wasn't so small. He was wearing black shoes, and he was walking around the marketplace of Narda. Ashkud Be Rish Galusa, officers or policemen of the Rish Galusa found him, Varmalay, and they told him, Masani, why are you wearing these shoes. These shoes are different than everybody else's. Armalohi told them to come at Vilna Yerushalayim. That's because I'm mourning over Yerushalayim and that's why I'm wearing black shoes. So Armalohi, they told him, you're chashiv enough that you're allowed to mourn publicly like this over Yerushalayim? Only tell me, you're allowed to do something like this. But regular people,
people, they have to stick with what Chazal determines is considered mourning over Yushalayim, and it's not something that Chazal dictated, and therefore you shouldn't be doing this. And so for you, Rahava, they thought that he was being haughty, that he was holding himself as a Talmud Chacham, and he really wasn't. So as you have a Chavshua, they took him, they locked him away in prison. However, Amrulah, told him, Gavar Rabbah, no, I'm a Talmud Chacham, and therefore I'm allowed to do this. Amrulah, they asked him, how do we know that you're a Talmud Chacham? So Amrulah, told him, either you ask me a question, or I'll ask you a question. So Amrulah, they told him, you ask us a question. So Amrulah, we asked them, I'm on the Kutz Kufra, a fellow who cut down young, unripe dates. My Mishalem, how much does he have to pay? So Amrulah, they told him, Mishalem to make Kufra. He pays for these unripe dates that he cut down. So he responded to them, they would have eventually become fully ripe dates that are worth much more. So Amrulah, they told him, Mishalem to make Tamri. He pays for fully ripe dates. However, Amrulah, he told them, he didn't take fully ripe dates from them. He cut unripe dates down. So Amrulah, they told him, so you tell us what Allah is. Amrulah, he told them, they're evaluated based off of 60. Amrulah, so they asked him, man who says like you? Who says you're right? So Amrulah told him, Shmuel Chai, Shmuel is alive, Ubez Dinai Kayam, and he has his best din, so go ask Shmuel. So Shadu Kamei to Shmuel, they sent this question to Shmuel. So Amrulah, Shmuel told them, Shabar Kamulachubashishem, what he told you is correct, that it's evaluated based off of 60, Vishavku, and they let him go, because they saw that he was a Talmud Chacham. And the Warkatees explained the Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon said, Achal Peres Gemur and Vichulu, that if the animal ate completely ripe produce, so the owner of the animal has to pay for the value of the produce itself, and it's not based off of some sort of valuation. Asking about my time, why is that? And the answer is, Hadar Machmar, that which the Torah says, and we had this Joshua yesterday, Ubir Bistei Acher, and it consumed another one's field. Malam Shisham al that teaches us that we evaluate the produce based off of the field. That's only produce that still needs the field, it's still growing. But Hani, this produce, since they don't need the field anymore because they're fully ripe, he has to pay for the value of that produce itself. And Amar Huna Barchio, Amar Vyon Reaba, Don Rav Krav Meir, in a particular case, Rav Jaja Krav Meir, Upasa Kelchasa Krav Shimon, and he passed in the Halacha like Krav Shimon. Don Rav Krav Meir, Rav Jaja, particular case like Rav Meir, Titan Yuavabraisa, and this refers to a woman's Ksuba. We know that all the husband's properties are Meshubit her Ksuba, and even if he sells them, she's allowed to take them away from the buyers. And this Bryce is talking about where the fellow sold two of his fields. Because of Lurishain, he wrote the Shtar for the first sale, Veloy Chasmolai, and his wife did not sign off on it, meaning she wasn't masking him selling it. Whereas Lashani, when he sold his second field, and that was the only other field that he had, he wrote the Shtar of Chasmolai, and she signed off on it, showing that she's masking him. Of the Ksuba, so she loses her Ksuba, Divra Meir, that's Ramir's opinion. Since she agreed to the sale of the second field, she doesn't have any rights to Taina, hey, that's for my Ksuba. And even though she didn't agree to the sale of the first field, since when the first field was sold, the second field was still available for Ksuba, she's not able to Taina the first field either. Whereas Rabbi Yudam, Rabbi Yudam says, she's able to say, I want to do something nice for my husband. What do you have an issue with me? I didn't want my husband to get upset at me for not being masked to the sale. And that's the only reason why I said, okay, you could sell the second field, but I wasn't really masking to it. So this is the case where Rav Judge like Rav Meir and Upasak Hilsa Kerb Shimon, what's the case where Pasak like Rav Shimon? Like we had in our Mishnah, Rav Shimon says, if the animal ate fully ripe produce, Mishlam is Peres Gemurin, so the owner of the animal has to pay for that fully ripe produce. If it ate one saw, yes, pay for one saw. If it ate two saw, yes, pay for two saw. And another Mishnah. If a person piles his grain inside his friend's field without permission, and the owner of the balasada ate this produce, putter, so he's putter. And if the owner of the field's animal got damaged on this produce, the owner of the pile is chayv to pay. However, if he piled it with rushos, so then the owner of the field is chayv. The Gemara suggests, let's say this Mishnah was not like Rebbe, because if it was like Rebbe, we learned previously, Rebbe holds the Balbais has to be favorish take upon himself the chiv to watch what's put in his field. And over here, the Balbais didn't take that upon himself. He said, You're more than welcome to put your produce in my field, but he never said, I'm going to watch it. So Mishnah clearly seems to be not like Rebbe. However, Amr Papa, Papa says, That's not true. Our Mishnah is like Rebbe. Hach over here, but not the Beidari Askinon. We're talking about the watchman of the Beidari, 
which is the granary or the place where people used to store their grain. They came into Amr Lay, since the watchman told this fellow, I will come in and pile your grain here. I'll he's telling him, bring it in and I'm going to watch it for you. We're not talking about a classic granary. We're talking about a big field where multiple people used to bring their stuff and pile it there and they would hire watchmen. So when the watchman tells a fellow, bring your stuff in and pile it, he's telling him, I'm going to watch it because he's the watchman. And that's what we're referring to in the Mishnah when we say, it's not the Balasadeh, it's the watchman who's watching the field. He's high for something happening to it. And now this Mishnah begins by talking about Aish, fire. So the Mishnah tells us, and we've had this previously, if a person sends a fire with a Cher Shaitan or Katan, meaning he hands him a fire, and that fire went and damaged, he's Adam, but he's And if he sent it in the hands of a Pikeach, meaning he gave this fire to a Pikeach, a wise, regular, normal person, so that Pikeach who's holding it, he's Chayv, because he's responsible for it, not the sender. On to more cases, one fellow brought the fire, so let's say he had the matches, and one guy brought the wood, the one that brought the wood is Chayv, because the fellow who had the matches, all he did was light the match, but without wood to continue the fire, nothing would have happened. Now let's say it was the other way around, one guy brought wood and put it down, and another guy brought the fire and put it on the wood, the guy that brought the fire is Chayv, because without the fire, the wood wouldn't have done anything. Now let's say, another guy came along and he fanned the flame, the guy that fanned it, he's Chayv, because without him fanning it, the fire wouldn't have gone anywhere. This wood would have burned, and Zahu. Now that he came along and fanned the fire, the fire kept on going and burned other things, so the fanner is Chayv. However, Lipsa Ruach, if the wind fanned the fire, Kulin Paturin, all them are Pater. Now the Gemara tells us, Amr Shlakish Shmei the Chizkiah, Amr Shlakish says in the name of Chizkiah, Loi Shanu, this is only taught that he's Pater B'dinei Adam, Chayv B'dinei Shemaim, when he gives fire to a Cher Shaiter Katan, El Shemasolika Cheles Veliba. That's only if he gave the Cher Shaiter Katan a hot coal, and the Cher Shaiter Katan was the one that fanned it into a flame. And the reason why he's Pater over there is because he's just a Grumma. All he did was give potential for a fire to the Cher Shaiter Katan, and it was the Cher Shaiter Katan was the one that actually made it into a fire. Avo Matzolai Shal Heves. But if he actually handed him a flame, Chayev. So then that fellow is Chayev. My time why is that? Because Maisa Kagarmulai. It's his Maisa, it's his action of giving that fire over that caused the fire to spread because he gave it to somebody who's not a Bardas. And in that situation, he would be Chayev, and he's not considered a Grumma. Whereas Rabbi Yechon, Rabbi Yechon argues and says, Afil Matzolai Shal Heves Pater. Even if he gave a flame over to the Cher Shaiter Katan, he's still Pater. My time why is that? Tzavs the Cher Shagarmulai. Because the grasp of the Cheresh that caused the fire to be spread, even though he handed an actual flame to the Cher Shaiter Katan. Still, we require the Cher Shaiter Katan to go around and light something on fire, and therefore, Kuan even though he handed this fire over, he's still considered a Grama. And Malim Chayiv, he's not going to be Chayiv, Ajim Shalai Gavza, until he gives him over thorns, Samachamad Alfan Tab, Silta, which is like small wood, and Shraga, the flame. Dahu Vade Maisa De Garmu, because over here we would say for sure it's his Maisa that caused the fire to spread. He gave the Cher Shaiter Katan everything necessary to cause the fire to spread, so it's considered like his action and not the action of the Kharshaiter Katan. We're gonna stop here for the day and pick up the market team to explain the Mishnah. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.